The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your host. Okay, welcome online listeners. Uh, I know that you've had a little bit of a break in our identity series, but stay with us. Today's message is still social area of life, but within the series of the identity matter social area of life, we are dealing with the fruit. And under the fruit, we're doing a mini-series, and that mini-series is the spiritual gifts. Because before we move into the most practical elements of identity matters, and that is finances, marriage, parenting, all the extra outside type of arenas that really manifests, it's a place of to manifest the spiritual gifts. So we have to talk about it. So, today is part three of social area of life, fruit of the spirit that is within each of us, now dealing with the topic of spiritual gifting, and today we're going to talk about leadership. As spiritual gift is a God-given ability planted within your soul by the Holy Spirit activated upon the day of your salvation and is a direct manifestation of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Every member of the body of Christ receives at least one. Again, as a reminder, there are eight occupational gifts, and the rest of them are what is classified as man-fest-ation. Manifestation is an active process of arousing something, some power, that is within man. That's the definition of manifestation. It is taking a hold and activating something, Festing, like a festered wound. Festering. It's a digging up. It's an arousal of something inside man. So the question has to be asked is, who put that in man? Did Satan do this? You look at some of the satanic leaders today, and you kind of wonder, wow, did Satan do that? Does Satan have spiritual gifts? No, God put this gift inside every human. And then when they, they begin to grow up, they're to yield their lives unto Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is placed inside the believer and it activates, festus, festations, activates and arouses this gift that is in man. If there is no conversion and indwelling life of Jesus Christ, the gift that is put inside the person upon their birth is used to glorify the system of the Antichrist. There is no other way to put this. So you'll see a very gifted leader as a president of the United States. You'll see a very gifted leader who is in the U.N., 
who has this unusual ability of to bring people together in universalism. You see these gifts, which the human uses as proof that they are Christian, when it could actually be the evidence they're not Christians, indwelt Christians. So this is a very sensitive subject. This here, this statement alone, has been twisted and revised by so many churches. Some have even said to me, these manifestation gifts that you talk about, Steve, don't even exist anymore. When the last apostle died, the manifestation died with it. I'd like to see that person say that to the Holy Spirit personally. Then you have the other extreme over here where you have people standing up on pews and claiming the Holy Spirit's a part of everything that they're saying, doing, thinking, or whatever. And there's these constant speaking in tongues and healings and, and all these things. And just because there are there is evidence of the healings, and a foreign language is coming out of their mouth, they think they're an indwelt Christian. Because there are many that are going to stand before Jesus Christ himself that said, I preached in your name, casted out demons in your name, performed miracles in your name, and Jesus said, Be gone from me, for I know you not. That is not the proof. The manifestations is not the proof. The gift put inside the unbeliever can be manifested by a spirit, small s. The gift put inside the indwelt believer can be manifested by the spirit, capital S. The evidence of the two matter not. Are you with me? A miracle done over here can be done by a witch. A miracle done, the same miracle, same exact miracle can be done over here by the Spirit of the living God. The end results are exactly the same. Except, one builds an eternal weight of glory and the other one does not. But see, the snakes on the floor, there's no difference. Two snakes of Pharaoh and one snake of God. There is no difference in the snakes. It is who, not what, is the results. It is who is empowering, who is festating the man. That's what we've got to look at. Because there are tons of you African leaders who are functioning in festations and you think you have proof because you've got miracles every Sunday morning and you've got these stories you are constantly telling me about. But I'm here to tell you unless the festation is done by the indwelling Holy Spirit, they matter not in heaven. So don't try to prove to me or any other leader in the church today that you do have the indwelling power of God because you have the proof in your festations. You better make sure you're being empowered by the right spirit.
It's not in what results, it is in who is manifesting. So now let's take a look at this after that little short revival. Now we can actually look at the gift of leadership. So in leadership, the definition is this. Now here's the definition of leadership. Those with the gift of leadership have a spirit-given ability to guide, motivate God's people in the ways of the Lord, in the ways of the Lord to accomplish his purpose. This person is able to gather the body together to aid them in setting and revealing God's goals and to help fulfill them. And that is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. So those with this gift are, are, have this supernatural ability to get a group of people together and then lay out the goals and the aspirations of God and guide them to accomplish this point. If you think that all of the pastors in the churches, and, and I want you pastors in Africa to listen very carefully, just because you're a pastor does not mean you have the gift of leadership. In fact, most pastors do not have the gift of leadership. And we're going to talk about that, particularly when we get into discussing the gift of pastoralship. A leader is different. A leader can actually listen to a pastor or a preacher teach or a prophet uttering the prophecies of God and take that data and put together a leadership plan to carry it out for that leader, that pastor. A husband is a leader of his wife, his children, and oftentimes in his job. Doesn't mean he has a gift of leadership, but he does have to lead. So therefore, a gifted person of leadership is showing supernatural abilities, not learned abilities, supernatural abilities. Now let's take a look at the bullet point under, under definition. The purpose. Many Christians are confused with the use of this gift, particularly the ones with the gift. In order to be an effective leader, the leader must be an effective follower or servant leader. And this is what we find with Christ. Who did Christ follow? Okay, God the Father. Who else? Okay, so why wasn't Jesus able to go into his ministry while Joseph was alive? Who would God have honored more? What Joseph wanted for Jesus or what he as God of the universe wanted for Jesus? Please, pastors out there, listen to this very, very, very carefully. I believe it is one of the most unanswered questions of all Christianity. God's leadership is Joseph. For all authority that is established is established by God. For he who opposes these authorities opposes God. God will not 
defy himself. God will not defy the law. God is the law. The law's characteristics of God. So therefore, God was not going to speak over the voice of Joseph until Joseph died. Then God would approach Jesus, his own son, and Joseph was the temporary foster parent. God was not going to speak over Joseph's voice so that Jesus had to choose between God the Father and his earthly father. This is critical. Joseph had to die. Jesus then could be called out to the wilderness to hear the voice of his father to carry out the leadership in a servant-style leadership to carry out the goals and aspirations of his primary father. You would actually have the greatest act of emergence that exists today if you did not logically come to the conclusion that we just made. And that is Jesus usurping Joseph's authority because he's listening to the voice of his father on his own. And his mother having to go, do I listen to my husband or do I listen to my son who's the son of God? I'm going with my son. I'm following him around. You cook your own meals. You do your own thing, Joseph. Go make your furniture. But I'm following the living God. And if there's any leader out there thinking I'm speaking of this as absolute truth, I am making a statement of the opposite. Mary would never do that. Mary would honor her husband until he died. Jesus would be a human son until Joseph died. Jesus could not rise to the position of son of God while he was still the son of Joseph. Are you with me? There can be no two masters. No man can serve two masters. This emergent stuff that's going around the world today, that they don't have to listen to their spiritual fathers, they don't have to listen to leaders in their life from bosses, to church leaders, to ministry leaders, is a big joke. There's an attack on the spiritual leadership of the church and having to prove they're either fallen or getting ready to fall or I'm going to help them fall. If you have a register being recorded of how you have helped leaders fall, that register of how you have helped them will be read before you, whether you are free through the blood of Jesus or not free through the blood of Jesus, you will at least hear it. You see, Mary understood the authority structure just because it is said in Romans chapter 13 verses 1 through 3 does not mean that that principle did not exist with the Hebrew. It has always been. So you wonder, why did God tolerate sin in the world? Because God will not interfere with the established authority that is established on earth. Whether the leader sins or whether the leader does not sin. 
But there are no leaders that did not sin before Jesus. Do you understand that? Jesus was the absolute first leader that could be tempted in leadership without sin. First. So now having him inside the leadership of the church today, oh, I think that might be a significant point. So let's take a look at it. Characteristics of a leader. Leaders must have followers. It doesn't mean if they don't have followers that they're not going to be able to keep the gift anymore. You're born with the gift and you die with the gift. If you're an indwelt Christian, you're born with the gift, you die with the gift, and you have it eternally. Your spiritual gifting that is given to you will be used in your afterlife. If you're going to hell, and you're emergent, and you're Laodicean, and you think you're one of those indwelt Christians, when in reality you're nothing more than a festation of a spirit using stuff inside you that is not God, and you are going to hell, this point doesn't matter to you. But to the indwelt Christians, it matters a lot that this leader has a direction. He's leading the people. What that direction is, I think, is important. Don't you guys think? So here's the deal. A true leader does not have followers because they are recruiting them. They have followers because people want to join them in their special ability to lead and to serve. Men and women never have to manipulate or force people to listen or follow. They generate a supernatural confidence that reveals God's direction and plan. People who truly have this gift are relaxed in their leading. They are confident in what needs to be accomplished. And they know that they need a team of people to get the job done. Therefore, they work with the body to develop the right skills in the people to accomplish the plan. Those with the gift of leadership understand the importance of multiplication. Leaders oftentimes have problems with the, with the details, particularly administrative ones. They have the tendency to delegate these responsibilities. Now here's how you get a local church stuck. Is you constantly complain about your leader. Because what you're actually trying to say is that your leader needs all the gifts. Are, are you with me on this? So therefore, the body of Christ goes lazy. And the very spiritual gifts that have been put inside the body and manifested with the Holy Spirit become an act of rebellion before God. You see... The leader is supposed to do with the stuff that has been put in front of him, not in him. So you need administrators working, you need, you know, uh, givers working, you need uh, counselor exhorters working, you need teachers working. 
you got to have every one of the body members saying, here's my gifting, and throws it right on the, the floor of the leadership of the church and says, now let's get this organized. Let's get her done. Well, if I was on the Satanic Leadership Council, which I never could be because I'm into wealth, but if I could sit there and, 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 and help them drum up ideas on how we could actually stop the church from functioning, you know what I would do? I would try to find some brain-dead technique to get the body members to say, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. I, I don't know. Well, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, how can you throw them at your leader's feet? It's over. People do not know their spiritual gifts, so they know not what to throw at the feet of the leadership and let alone have leadership to try to use the people to get it put in order because there's no one to help you. It's killing the church day after day after day. The reason why that you find Dean Ministries taking off in billions of dollars, not millions, billions, is because there are people serving, using their gifting in Christ or not, to pull the whole message that the leader is presenting on Sunday morning. So I'm not picking on them. I am actually reinforcing this principle. Because some people stepped forward and took this leader's ideas and put it together and put a system together and made a machine and started cranking the machine so that the stuff came in here and it got to the other end as a package deal. But see, some of the smaller local outreaches that are in the world today, people just want to come and listen. And then they want to go home and have their roast beef. And then they want to go through their week as they normally do. And then they want to come next Sunday and hear another revival uh, preaching. And then they want to leave again. They don't want to dedicate a certain percentage of hours per week to advance the leadership of the church. We can't just say, okay, we're stuck in this. We've got to talk about what is stucking us. What's, what's causing us to get stuck? The core reason that I'm bringing out today is, if you don't know your spiritual gifts, you have nothing to throw at the feet of the leadership. You can't even become a leader. The, the church can't even build leadership because there's no one saying, build me. Do you see the cycle? You're stuck. Everyone wants to be empowered, but no one wants to do the work. Then you put the pressure on one or two to do the work, and you burn them out. Leaders are falling like flies. Quality leaders falling like flies. I'll be there too. And whatever it was that was going on here is done. It's finished. It's over. So I know the vulnerable position I'm in. I can only pray that people who are receiving training through the podcast and materials will take it and keep going. That's why I'm trying to do everything that I can on the internet to be free. So when I die, it keeps going. I don't have to pay a bill to get it promoted. You see what I'm saying? There's a strategy in what we got going here. And we need to do the same thing locally. Here's what I listen for from you guys. 
I am listening for the testimonies that you are sharing in regard to not I, but Christ in the indwelling life of Jesus Christ. And who is bringing those testimonies before the body? Those are the ones I will empower. Nobody else. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't care whether you're a family member or whether you're a stranger. As a leader of a tiny local fellowship and a leader of a very large international fellowship, I am not going to empower anyone that does not have the testimonies of not I but Christ. And if that is a hard thing for you to embrace, so be it. But I cannot do what the world has done over and over and over and put people in leadership and they have no stories. What's the point? To say you have a couple extra light bulbs on? To give some bright ideas? It's pointless. There's leadership structures all over the world that function this way and they're producing nothing eternally. So you talk about Deacons, you talk about elders, you talk about people going out and talking about your ministry or whatever. You know, I don't really care unless they got stories. I told God years ago, I want to be known as a storyteller. Isn't that the proof? It's the stories. So when you empower people who don't have stories, what's the point? Destroy the entire vision. Unless you know that you know. There's proof in their salvation. That's the weight I'm having to carry. You need to help me carry this because we are moving forward. Every single message, every single Sunday, every single podcast, every single article, every single piece. We're moving forward and it's like I'm going, guys, are you coming? Her and her husband have definitely the gift of service. Does everyone agree with that? I don't think anyone would disagree with that, even in the community. So here's how this works. And I'll let the Holy Spirit do the rest with you. But if this line is the measurement of service granted to them, here's the question. How much of that service is advancing the local mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Only they can answer that. I can't. And if the church is getting leftovers, then God is is going to break them. The way you get the Christian, indwelt Christian, to use the majority of their service to advance the gospel, and they're using the majority of their service to advance a satanic element surrounding the gospel, is to break them. And once the person is broken, they will use the majority of their measurement to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ and the mission that is granted to the leadership of the church. When the indwell Christian is using the majority of their spiritual gifting to advance the local gospel of Jesus Christ in a local mission, not using the majority of their gifting to advance stuff around God's mission, 
which means advancing the community, community projects, helping your neighbor. All that's wonderful stuff, but it's advancing a system that is not advancing the leadership of the church. But if they did it as a mission of the church to clean up a neighborhood, now you're talking. You guys should be so incredibly active for Heartland Outreach that I'm watching you going, well, I'll be. Look at that. You see, Christ in you cannot be restrained. You cannot restrain Christ. So the Presbytery is watching Christ in you, through you, do what you do best. So the Presbytery could go, yeah, I thought it was that. But no, that's not what we want to do. We want to put all these things together and these people together in these little positions so that they can prove themselves when they're in the position. Proof. It has to be in the proof. It has to be watched and observed so you can go, that person's faithful, loyal, honest, integral, full of the Spirit, demonstrating the works of Christ before they have been put into a position of function. You see, I'm taking Marcos to uh, Liberia, most likely, because of what I've already seen demonstrated. Do you see? He's not a deacon. He's not an elder. He's, he's not on my board of directors. He's, that's what, that's, I'm just using him as an illustration to say action is common sense to Christ Jesus when it is already being demonstrated. It's not waiting, it is action seen. Then you, as a Presbytery, can start putting people in their places. We've got to take the measurement that has been given to us and we have to see where are we investing it. Time-wise, clock. How many hours a week are invested by using our gifting somewhere else besides advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ through the local outreach? That question has to be answered. I don't know what you do with your conviction. Stop complaining about what needs to be done and start doing it. Faith without works is dead. So those leaders who are overseas, some of you are at my fingertips or your leader's fingertips all the time. And you're actually texting, emailing, sometimes calling, saying, what do I do next? And I throw out four or five things and you are back in my email box going, done, what do we do next? Lester, you're an example of this. That's the kind of faithfulness that brings the unseen things of the structure of the living God into the seen world. But those who are afraid to go lay hands on people, afraid to speak in public, afraid to disciple others who are difficult, afraid, afraid, afraid. Oh, he's not going to love me. I fear rejection. I'm, I, you know, I'm constantly not able to please him. All this stuff I hear is like, we're put on earth to work. And all of us do work. We do. You just have to ask, where am I putting my investment? And then I'll tell you what. It'll be the body of Christ. Immovable. 
and moving through social area of life to transform lives. We've got to quit pinning it on one or two people. So here's the liabilities of these leaders. Leaders can sometimes become too intense about the people that that are following them. They have an ongoing passion to make sure that people submit to them. They are quick to notice rebellion. And one of their biggest liabilities is that they have the tendency to be regimented or overbearing. A true leader is a servant, but a leader who loses sight of this expects followers to serve them. Another liability is, that has been noted is that they are prone to have a problem with authority themselves. And this is why many of them become dictators instead of servant leaders. A lot of people do think that, as I said before, every leader of a church has the gift of leadership. They do not. I do not. I do not have this gift. It is one of the lowest on my totem pole of where all the spiritual gifts are ranking. So if you looked locally, you would not see this. And you'd go, yeah, that's probably true of that guy. And if you went internationally, you'd probably say, no, that's probably not true. Because all this is happening in certain parts of the world. I'm not doing it. It's guys like Charles and others who have the gift of leadership, that have 27 churches, that take this material. And you see, they have that gift. They're just using a vision of a vision caster, which is a prophet, and they're carrying it out into their system. But in America, we spend more time picking on the leader than we do empowering the leader through their own spiritual gifts. Here's where typically... It's manifested, the gift of leadership. When walking after the flesh, leaders have the tendency to use the flock for their goals, tasks, and personal gain. In other words, they take advantage of people. This has been noted problem for many generations. And if you look, for example, at the life of Solomon, you know, rich, rich, rich man, wisest that ever was or will be. And the end means was... It did not honor God when he died. But he did love God. So you trying to prove to me or the church or anyone else that you do love God and you are there and whatever, so what? So you got money, power, influence, spiritual gifts, good teacher, you know, all the stuff that Solomon has, so what? What proof is that? It's in the stories of transformation. Now that's got substance. So leaders are oftentimes elders, cell leaders, cell interns. What we mean by cell is like small groups within a local fellowship. Group leader, children's ministry, finance chairman, community spokesman, fundraiser, community projects, event coordinators. Worst thing you can do is take a pastor and put him in a leadership position. You'll kill him. Worst thing you could do with a a prophet is to put him in a pastoral position. He cannot brush the dust off his feet. If I was in an ideal position, here's what I'd do. I'd raise up a pastor for this little fellowship. We already got a handful of fellowships going worldwide. 
I would like to go visit all of these 200 plus ministries that have said we are serious IFEL members, International Fellowship of Exchange Life. I have some very, very serious members. Okay? I'd go visit all their fellowships. I'd go visit all their ministries. I'd step up to their pulpits and empower them with messages that they're not used to hearing, maybe. Or in a way, they're, you see, that's what I would do. And then I would come back home to my home fellowship. That'd be my perfect love and desire. Because I'd be functioning in the fullness of my gifting. But I'm being stuck into a role that I must fulfill honestly and integrally because it's the beginning and it's where it is being put into place. I can tell you today, if it wasn't for Heartland, our international fellowship would not be doing what it's doing. I also know that it is a beginning for something beyond my human understanding. So I need to have the local body being stepping up and creating stories. And our share time needs to be filled with stories. Oh, let me tell you about so-and-so. Let me tell you what happened to me this week. Let me tell you what the scripture out of Psalms, you know, that's what should be happening. You're just so overwhelmed with stories that the proof is obvious what your spiritual gifts are. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.